Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to this episode of the Always Gaining Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by my great friend and fellow University of Alabama alum, Aaron Cooper. Aaron is a multimedia journalist with News Channel 9 in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I had the chance to talk with Aaron about the challenges of being a journalist in 2020 and leading into the common reason we both got into our respective fields of study. We have a big discussion on what critical thinking is, why there seems to be a lack of it in our society as a whole, and Aaron gives us some tidbits on what we need to do to be a better informed person. Transparency and uncovering sources is a common theme throughout the podcast, so really tune in to Aaron's points because I think they apply not just to consuming news, but to every area of our lives. We also tackle body image, how it plays into my role as a fitness content creator, her role as an on-screen personality, and tackling the common ground in between. And finally, we wrap up with how we feel pressure to fit society's mold how to balance meeting expectations and carving your own path, as well as where you should focus your energy at if you struggle with self-esteem or unplugging from the digital world that we live in. This is a deep podcast, but I think it's well worth the listen. Thank you, Erin, for coming on. You can find Erin on basically every social media platform. Her handle is at onairwitherin. Erin is spelled with a Y. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Now, it's more important than ever, I think, in 2020, we're going into 2021, that we bring different personalities, different perspectives, views of life into the frame. So without further ado, I want to introduce the first ever guest on the Always Gaining podcast. And I couldn't think of a more badass person to bring on, my great friend, Aaron Cooper. Aaron, I'm going to stop talking. So just (laughs) go ahead and introduce yourself. All right. Awesome. I am so honored to be on your podcast. I've admired it this entire time. Like I admire all of your projects. So I'm honored. Thank you. Much love. Uh, (laughs) So, all right. So I know you, Austin, we met in school. Um, Your story is a little bit different than how you knew who, how I existed. Um, We kind of knew about each other through a mutual friend in our same school um, and I discovered you on social media and was instantly impressed by uh, <laughs> your your presence on social media. Very wholesome and and advanced. Um, I uh, yeah, but I now have graduated like you, and uh, I'm a full time what they call multimedia journalist in uh, television news. Okay. Yep, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And uh, well, let me tell you, Austin, what a crazy time it is to be a journalist <laughs> i can only imagine especially working in television uh, i i'm not gonna razz you on the pandemic or the election or anything right now at least but i can only imagine it's been a very challenging year for you uh yeah i mean you know a lot of people say that you know 2020 is the hardest year of of anybody's career but for young adults like you and me you know this is the only year of our young adult career, right? So this is the only thing we know is this crazy reality that we're in. And, you know, overall journalism has has never seen this before, meaning 2020. And for myself and any other young journalists who graduated in 2019, this is the only form of journalism that they know at this point with all right. of the, the things that we're having to cover. Um, and you know, while while I work in traditional news media, I guess what you could call it, uh, nothing about it has been traditional in terms of coverage, as you can imagine. Oh no, absolutely. So, yeah, thank you for the insight on all of that. Um, I, I kind of see what your day to day is like, and honestly, I commend you for your strength because it takes a special person to take the day in and day out the way you do. And that's not anything against your job or or the career that you're in. It's just the state of the time that we're in. So thank you for coming on, for spending some of your valuable all time with me. Really appreciate that. So we were talking, we were like, oh, we need to do a podcast together. What are we going to talk about? What's what's going to what's going to happen? So I think we both came to the conclusion that even though we talk, we create content around our industries and there's a lot of differences in our industries. There's also a lot of similarities. You know, I'm in fitness, you're in, we'll call it television media, just to be short. But with Erin being in TV media, traditional news media, she is at the core of separating fact from fiction. That's why she gets paid. 
So 2020 has been the absolute hellstorm of coverage for anyone doing anything on TV. The pandemic is a once in a generation challenge. I think we can all agree with that. There is not a single person that hasn't been touched by the pandemic. But then you add the presidential election onto that. You add, okay, what is next year going to look like? And the cloud of uncertainty that's in the air right now. And I think it's easy to assume that 2020 has probably been the most challenging year for a lot of us. So Aaron, thank you for giving us insight on that into journalism, into traditional media. You speak all this and I have to talk about separating fact from fiction all the time because that's kind of what fitness is. It's the polar extreme of two ends. It's some people believe something really, really strongly or they don't know anything in the world about what they're talking about. So it's experts and then it's nobody knows anything. So news and media, the way I see it, is taking that and dialing it up to a 10. Everybody thinks that the job you do, oh, it's biased or, oh, they're just filling an agenda or uh, Liam reporters, they don't know what they're talking about. So just give me a little bit of insight on that. Like, what, what do you think? Do you think there's a lot more fiction out there, a lot more fact out there? Like, what is the public perception versus the truth? Like, where, where's the disconnect there? Austin, I think the answer is yes <laughs> to, to everything you just said. Everything. The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fiction. There's a lot of fact. We both had one of our favorite professor or instructors, associate professors, Dr. Darren Griffin at the University of Alabama. I had the privilege of doing extended research with Darren on truth, ethics, and deception and leadership communication. So I don't use the term lightly when I say Darren is a badass individual. And he taught me so much about what we think and what we perceive as the truth is quite rarely that because the truth is always changing. And no, that's not just a stereotype. This dude was not a textbook type of guy. And honestly, he provided me one of the best in-class experiences. So I think Aaron can kind of resonate with that too. It was one of those foundational courses that really changed the way you look at the world, you look at yourself, you look at your education. So with truth, ethics, and deception, it proved one thing for me. And one of the only things I remember from the class, deception is all over the place. It's a real and practical thing that we all deal with. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. Usually we take deception as bad, but there is deception for good. And we don't realize how much deception there is. And we're not nearly as good at detecting it as we think we are. So I think in 2020, we've seen a lot of, I guess, bullshit here. Bullshit and deception to go hand in hand. And we know bullshit is a technical term, but do you really think that there's as much bullshit and deception as people say there is out there. What, what's your take on this? Well, what I will say, uh, I guess, first of all, to, to talk about Darren, when you said that he wasn't a, a textbook professor, he literally wasn't. He did not use textbooks. None at all. <laughs> he didn't like, even. <laughs> so it wasn't like, oh, you know, he, he's not a cookie cutter professor. No, he like literally didn't even use textbooks, really. Yeah, he's not um, even in the kitchen. Like, <laughs> Exactly. Uh, and when it, when it comes to, you know, all of the, the swirling of, of information, and I'm going to be careful with my words here, I, I'm going to try to use news and information distinctively because things that aren't true is information, right? But right. I like to categorize when I say news as things that has been, you know, backed up and verified by facts and reliable sources. Of course. And we live in a we, we live in a really unique time where anybody can be a content creator and anybody can use their voice, when, especially when it comes to, you know, online virtual platforms. And I think that that's, you know, a beautiful thing, but at the same time it makes it harder to kind of dig through the muck. That's a uh, vocabulary term that my, one of my professors in college, Alabama used actually, I think Dr. Clark referred to it as that she's the best as well. So a a reoccurring theme that I think we'll address a lot here, Austin, is the the theme of transparency, you know, whether it be with ourselves or, you know, how public officials and, and those that share the information from officials should be, you know, we need to focus on being transparent. Um, And the key, like I mentioned, with there being so many ways to both 
ourselves put out information, but also now to consume it, the different platforms and the different methods, whether it be a tweet or a video or a podcast like we're doing right now. Mm. The, the, the key to achieving transparency, in my opinion, and the key to really getting a, a good grasp on what is true and understanding the full picture is to consume information through multiple sources. Wait, 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 wait. You're saying we shouldn't get all of our information from Twitter? (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. I mean, Twitter can be the way that you can access a lot of this information. Of course. But you need to make sure that it's the original source is, you know, you can link it back to its original place, right? Right. So you're talking about multiple sources here. Right. So I think a good analogy here is, you know, the same way that scientists can't rely on the results of just one experiment to prove something, you shouldn't rely on only one source of news or or one outlet to give you the full picture as stories develop, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a double-edged sword. There's so many outlets and platforms, uh, but that can muddy the water for what is true and what is false. At the same time, you don't have an excuse for not getting a well-rounded or informed view because there are so many ways that you can find out what the truth is. Right. We literally have the world at our fingertips mm-hmm. and we're only getting more and more access to information. So, no, I, I love that. Is there anyone or anyone you would kind of point to a resource or kind of where you get your ideology from on this? Well, our UA professors gave us a phenomenal platform, but someone that, that I've been fascinated with in terms of the way that, you know, they kind of break down all of this, you know, how do we find the best sources of information is Melissa Zimdars. And she's an assistant professor of communication and media at Merrimack College in Massachusetts. And she actually made a list of how to be media literate, meaning how to understand where your information and where your news is coming from. Um, it, for instance, you know, I'll run through some of her tips here that I thought were particularly helpful. Um, if you're reading a story- No, we love lists. Go ahead. <laughs> we love lists. If you're reading a story online, you know, you're going to want to look for direct quotes or lack thereof. You know, if, if it's a serious or controversial is- issue, there are more likely to be quotes and lots of them directly from whoever is saying or talking about the controversial thing. Um, With that being said, you're going to want to look at who said those quotes and are they quotes from people with different opinions or is it an article that has all one-sided opinions of someone who's really angry about something or is it even keel in my career every day my goal if i'm you know doing a story on a particular issue is to find at least two interviews one from each opposing side to make it balanced right right and i think there's a disconnect just a comment here on we we jump so quickly to identify democrat or republican or independent or whatever it is you want to identify as and we bias ourselves towards oh i'm going to only consume media that comes from traditionally Republican or traditionally Democratic sources. And I think even if you're like a hard identifying Republican or Democrat, that you should continue to challenge yourself and try to get information that just doesn't come from Republican leaders or authority figures and vice versa for Democrats. So I'm really glad you said that because I think that's one of the things that bleeds through everything, not just politics, but into fitness into the article that your mom shared on Facebook to literally everything in the world. So continue not to interrupt. I'm really interested about this list. <laughs> so I think something else, you know, that's, that's important to do is sort of what I said about Twitter or social media, you know, when you see something posted there and trying to trace it back to its origin, right? right. So if you're reading a story about the president or another public official, or, you know, especially with all the election uh, developments that we have going on, if, if you're seeing a, a post on social media, either from an outlet or from someone you know, that is saying a, a big time public official said something, can you find a transcript of that full statement somewhere, even if it's an exclusive interview with one station or one publication? That same quote will be referenced in other stories that say that person said it while then linking you to the original place where 
they had it and accrediting it to that. And then I guess finally on, on that little note there about tracing things back, you know, how are these quotes or how these statements or the way that the article is written, how is it framed? Is it just plain and simple, so-and-so said such and such, or are there a lot of adjectives and embellishments that describe the statement or categorize the statement into an emotion? Right. Let's not even get on political ads because I think political ads do the best job of taking quotes, taking statements completely out of context and applying it to a particular bias. That's the whole foundation of mudslinging in politics and not to make news and information just about politics, but obviously it's still incredibly relevant even after we've had our presidential election. So that's amazing to think about and to remind ourselves of that we have to be diligent to find where is the original source at. So love that. Continue, please. And then I, you know, I think the the final note that I'll make on how you can best filter yourself through the information and absorb all of the different uh, sources that you can is, you know, I'll come back to this, I think, when we wrap up our conversation later. But if a story or something that you're reading that is news or information, it's framed as news, if it makes you really angry, it's probably a good idea to keep reading about the topic and other sources to make sure the story you read wasn't purposefully trying to make you angry or even if it's not angry maybe it made you really sad maybe you know it really made you happy and it's like wow this is too good to be true you know that could have been framed with potentially misleading or, or false information in order to generate those shares and that ad revenue that you were just mentioning austin so whenever something makes you feel an extreme emotion that you're reading that's even more of a sign that you need to trace it back and you know look at multiple different sources that are talking about the same thing Right. So that's also interesting itself. And I think that's how I can tie into fitness here is talking first about headline reading. It's 2020 and we want to consume as much information as quickly as possible without having to do nearly as much work as we used to have to do. And with that, with the simplicity, with the convenience, we have a tendency to skim over things and take the headline as the way it's portrayed. And that's the truth. That's what it is without reading into what the headline is actually trying to articulate, whether that information is truthful or not truthful in itself. So in 2020, with our beautiful little smartphones, it might help if we click more into the headlines that we're looking at. Same thing goes in fitness. Fitness is a super, super tricky game because it seems like everyone's common sense goes completely out the window. I see bullcrap about people, oh, I'm going to lose 30 pounds doing this thing that I saw. It's the, the very stereotypical 2005 weight loss ads, but plastered all over social media. It's the biggest loser, but with every single new fad diet that comes along. When we look at it, when we look at exercise and fitness and dieting, exercise is stupidly simple. So is dieting. It's about understanding your goals. What is your goal with what you're trying to do and creating a realistic and sustainable approach to those goals. I think the same can go for your information. Are you reading information to confirm the bias that you already have about what it is you're looking after? It's good to have opinions. It's good to even have a preference if you're a Democrat or Republican in politics. It's good to have those things. That's what makes us the people that we are. But are you reading and are you distributing the information that you see for the purpose of educating other people or trying to rile people up and get people emotional and trying to mislead or miscommunicate? So goal seeking and understanding your goals is the number one priority that we should be focused on, whether we're consuming information or whether we're talking about fitness. Getting back into fitness, goals keep you motivated and disciplined sustainability doesn't make it so hard that you quit before you make progress. This is getting into what I always talk about on the podcast. Anybody who's listened to an episode knows that I'm a preacher of sustainability and discipline and all that. I don't want to dive too deep down the rabbit hole, but anybody who does not embrace these simple messages, truth-seeking messages at the core of what they put out is probably trying to sell you something 
or deceive you in a way for their own benefit. That's simply how it is. News or fitness. And we have to really become aware of this in 2021. There's no reason that we can't have common sense. So as Aaron says, transparency in news sources is really how you get accurate news or as accurate of news as you could possibly get. The same thing can be said in the fitness space, the overly edited pictures we see. They're awesome for engagement. And of course, some fitness chick's booty picture with 20,000 likes is going to get tons of impressions and tons of engagement. We, we just love that, don't we? And oh, yeah. of course, attraction and your body image is the most manipulated variable in the fitness space for obvious reasons. Think about it. Who are you going to listen to about how to get a six pack? A dude with a ripped shredded six pack or a guy with a beer gut? Obviously, attraction plays in and it plays into these algorithms that we talk about all the time. Fitness space, news, media, Twitter, Instagram, everything has an algorithm and everything is playing into that algorithm. And there seems to be two different types of people. One, the type of people that don't understand what an algorithm even is. And two, the people who are like, oh, the algorithm's against me. It's, it's trying to manipulate my mind and, and what I think about things. And no, it's not that. It's just we have to understand how human communication really plays into this. There's nothing wrong. And I want to get into the topic of body image and this path that we're going down in fitness. There's nothing wrong with aesthetics. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be toned or even getting shredded or helping someone get toned or shredded. There's nothing wrong with selling a product to do that. That's capitalism. That's our world that we live in. It's the lack of self-efficacy and transparency that plagues the social media space. I don't care if you're in fitness or if you're in television media or anywhere. Self-efficacy, transparency. Two most important things I look for in everybody that I follow. It takes a lot to get a follow from me because I'm going to look at your page and I'm going to see what type of person you are. And we all need to dial in and filter out some of the nonsense that we're letting come across our feeds. So Amen. not to kidnap all of Aaron's points, but as I've said probably a hundred times at this point, there's a ton of overlap in news and in fitness. The other big key she hit on was getting information from multiple sources. The same thing can be said when you're learning about and applying topics to fitness. And I have this long list of people that I want to talk about. But first, I want Erin to kind of go into who does she really trust in the cross-section between what I do and what she does? Because I know that she's super enthusiastic about um, a particular, I, I guess we'll call her an influencer. But I kind of want to hear the story on this before I go into my list. That way I can kind of tie fitness back into what you're talking about, Erin. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's, this is literally the overlap between fitness and journalism. I want to give a, a quick shout out to Danae Mercer. Um, she is a freelance and health and travel journalist. Uh, she is based in Dubai and uh, she's also a media consultant, a content creator, a public speaker, and a quote, self-love activist. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I love that there. And, you know, she posts photos nearly every day on her Instagram account of her natural, unposed, relaxed body. What, you know, and she, because she's in Dubai, she's in a very tropical place. She, you know, is on the beach a lot. She's swimming a lot. And, you know, so she's in a swimsuit a lot of the time. And when your body is unposed and relaxed, you know, you're going to see wrinkles and rolls and cellulite, you know, things that oh all gosh. of us have. We're humans. You know? What? Are you Unreal, kidding me? Right? <laughs> you know, I, I actually, I like to call um, uh, stretch marks and things like that free lightning bolt tattoos. Oh so, my gosh. <laughs> so she, she shows those off too. But the reason why hers are particularly compelling is almost every post that she makes uh, is her debunking how many fitstagrammers, we can call them, and models pose their bodies in bikinis and workout sets showing how you can give the illusion of a traditionally appealing physique in, in seconds between posing and turning and lighting and sucking in and straightening up and pushing your body a certain way. She takes videos that literally show that transition in a matter of seconds. Right. And to see her confidence just beam through every time and to see her be so comfortable in her own skin, 
as a journalist, you know, as, as someone who is in the spotlight and is critiqued for their appearance a lot of times, to be that bold, you know, that that is one person in particular that, that I really look to. And I know we're going to dive more into body image a little later. Yes. I wanted to frame the context through which I was speaking about the fitness people because you talk about how she's debunking all these fitstagrammers. And I've really made it a point to follow people who they show off their bodies, but it's in a way that's authentic to themselves. So me being in a bodybuilding, weightlifting, posing, aesthetics and making your body look a certain way is half of the game. Manipulating cameras and lighting angles and software even, that's that's a big part of it, right? I follow hardcore bodybuilders, Sadiq Hatsavik, Kai Green, Seth Ferrosi. These guys are like smash mouth. We're going to eat broccoli and, and rice and chicken, six meals every day, eight days a week. And that's, that's their personality, right? But they're also simultaneously transparent about, hey, we eat a lot of food. We train a lot. We take steroids. We take this. Everything looks different in different lighting. So even the most extreme figures of physique and the way people should look in bodybuilding are openly transparent about what they do, even from a deceptive standpoint, when it comes to their body image. I also follow people completely on the other end of the spectrum. My great friend, Jordan Syatt, um, if anybody's listening, you know, Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, huge entrepreneur, businessman, Jordan Syatt trained Gary V for three years. And I've come to know Jordan almost like a good friend. I've never met him before in my life, but he is genuinely one of the best human beings I've ever not met in my life. Jordan trains literally everybody else that isn't in bodybuilding. We're talking about like the 40-year-old mom who has three kids and just wants to lose 10 pounds. We're talking about the really hardworking journalists who don't have a lot of time to focus on their diet and fitness, even though they try really hard and they're looking for solutions to feeling better and looking better. We're talking about all over the place. So I try to consume my fitness information from two completely different ends of the spectrum. I want to get really hardcore people who are super toned in and disciplined on what they're doing, but I also want the most practical people who are like, hey, it's okay. Fitness is a part of this life journey. So being able to take those two perspectives and mesh them together, very similar to what Aaron was talking about from getting your news from multiple sources. Multiple sources! <laughs> yeah. I, I want to make that a hashtag, hashtag multiple sources. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's what our perspective becomes. We don't want to copy what somebody says word for word. And I will be the first to say, I share a lot of Jordan's stuff. Jordan Syatt, you're an amazing human being. I know you're going to listen to this at some point, but I don't 100% agree with Jordan. I would say I 95% agree with Jordan, but I get different opinions from different people, different backgrounds, different goals. Jordan's goal is to eat as much pizza, drink as much coffee and kick ass in jujitsu but Sadiq Hatsavik wants to be Mr. Olympia. So obviously the way they put out information is going to be completely different. They have very similar goals in a lot of ways, but there's a lot of contrast. And we should try to take as many different perspectives as possible and filter them through. And that's what becomes our perspective, our opinion, what we think about things. So you can learn from all these people in different ways. They may have different approaches, but it's their openness and their transparency about their approach that's important to me. No matter what, no matter what context you want to apply this to, I think that openness, transparency, and people who employ their own different perspectives into what they're putting out in their messaging is incredibly important. Let's tie this into body image because we talked about body image with Danae Jordan talks a lot about body image and so do a couple of different influencers. They all talk about body image in their own way, setting your own goals and understanding that a, an influencer's approach, somebody that you admire, that may not be the right approach for you because what it all comes down to 
in fitness and in getting your information is finding out what works for you. And that's where people mess up. People want to just have an easy one size fits all approach rather than putting in the hard work, putting in the effort to say, okay, this isn't going to work for me. This is going to work for me. Somebody wants a, a pill. Somebody wants a prescription to something rather than, okay, I'm going to get in the dirt. I'm going to get my hands dirty. I'm going to figure out what works for me. So Aaron, initial comments on body image. I really want to get your input here because I know you're in front of a camera so much. And I know you've got just so many different ways you want to go with this body image thing, but let's get into it. I just give me your initial thoughts on how you take body image what do you think needs to be addressed? What's really important for people listening? I don't think I've met anyone who hasn't struggled with body image at any point in their life, whether it's now, whether it was previously, or maybe it's, you know, still coming right. for them. Um, you know, it, just working in TV media, there, there is an expectation and, you know, a, a good one at that to, to look presentable, to look healthy, to look sharp and to look polished. And if you notice those words that I just said, they can mean different things, you know, looking healthy, there's, you know, there's not one image for that looking polished, looking presentable, right? I mean, we can all think of different things. But, you know, it's not like I didn't say skinny, you know, I didn't say, you know, blonde hair, blue eyes, like me, right? It, it can mean so many different things, but that gets lost. And but I have noticed that the TV has been embracing people on air of different sizes, shapes, colors, identities more and more. Uh, it's it's been a slow process, but I I have noticed it, and I think that that is very promising. Speaking from a, a woman's perspective, there is always the intense pressure to fit a mold, you know, to look really attractive, but in a TV news in the South kind of way you know, never overtly sexy. Yeah, let's keep in mind, Aaron is in Tennessee here, which is very similar to the home state I grew up in, Alabama. And it's, you don't want to have too much of any one thing. You want to what you want to look good, but you don't want to look like a charlatan, as, as my grandparents would say. Um, <laughs> but continue, not to interrupt there. No, I'm, you're exactly right. It's I don't know if I mentioned that in no, the beginning where I was You did, but like, I want to remind people because your accent, like you you don't come off with a Tennessee accent, so people wouldn't make that connection, I don't think. Oh yeah. I'm a DC girl at heart, born you, and raised. I've been all you gotta over. Gotta drag out that southern accent a little bit though. Roll time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just in my field, there is so much you can't control. And that's something that I've really struggled to cope with. And you have to rely on strangers almost every day in my field to work with you to formulate the story that you're working mm -hmm. on. You know, news breaks and it's unpredictable. My whole day can be flipped upside down at any second. And to some people, fitness, their diet, their exercise routine is something that people can get away with controlling. And, you know, I've, I've found myself slipping into that mind frame from time to time, but I work to keep in the mindset of, this is me time. That's how I want to look at fitness. This is how I relax and how I decompress. It's not about control. It's really the opposite. It's about letting go and resetting. Right. And I'm so glad you mentioned that because in a way for me, it is about control. It's, it's also my me time, but it's also because my work can be very unpredictable sometimes. It's the one element of my day that I can control. I know that I'm going to have a good workout and I know that I'm going to eat X amount of calories, protein, fat, carbs, macronutrients, stuff. So in a way, the little control freak inside of Austin here says, yes, 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 yes. This is all me. But again, you, you talk about how it's not about control for you. It's about letting go, resetting, namaste with your mind a little bit. Fitness, exercise, it's about your goals. And a program or a message that somebody puts out to you may be a great message, but it may not be the right message for you. My message may not be the right one for you, but good, good insight there, Aaron, because we differ a little bit, but we're also similar in a lot of ways. With that being said, there's tons of amazing points here from my perspective, from Aaron's perspective. I think there's a ton that we could dissect and expand upon, but let's hit on a few things. 
first and foremost, other people's expectations are often the guideline that people have to base their entire lives around. In your personal lives, I would not say that that's ideal, but when it comes to the professional world, it's almost the direct opposite. You have to meet your boss's expectations. You have to meet, in Aaron's case, society's expectations. Do other people like me? Do other people think I'm smart? Do other people think I'm attractive? These are just very general things, but I'm sure it's something that Aaron has to deal and maybe even struggle with on a day-to-day basis. Let's talk about the overlap in fitness and in television media, because I think the standards are very similar in a lot of ways. As a man, I'm expected to chase a certain aesthetic. As a female, Aaron, you are too. Except I feel like with females and body ideals, the best you can be is a winner at a losing game. Am I right? Yeah, I, I would absolutely say that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 never, it never feels, like you said, it's, it's a losing game because there's no consistency with it. It seems like it's, it's changing all the time, yet there's certain things that stay the mm-hmm. same. And right, you can never satisfy everybody. And there's never a majority. There's never a, you did a good job. And, and this is exactly what we want because it's never enough. There's definitely a degree of objectification here. That's not against your job. That's not against anybody's job, really. That's just the way the world is sometimes. Beauty gets ratings. Yes, ratings are good for your job. But intelligence is important too, right? So you have to be beautiful, but you have to be intelligent too. But also with your beauty, with your looks, even with your intelligence, you can't be trying too hard because then people disconnect from that and they think you're just a scholar or a scientist that doesn't understand the common people. Oh, oh, let's, uh, let's get into this. So beauty, you can't be too tall or male egos like myself will get intimidated. I see a six foot two girl and suddenly I can't listen to her because she's taller than I am. I actually am six two. So she would be the same height, but that's not important. But if you're too short, and Aaron, I know you're a shorter woman, then people might think that you're too submissive, and they might not listen to you. I I don't know if you've ever dealt with that before, but I know a lot of my girlfriends that are short have had to deal with that, that people don't take them seriously, simply because they're five foot one, five foot two, and that becomes a sticking point for them. With actual bodies and talking about fitness. In 2020, everybody wants to have somebody that has curves from a male to a female perspective. Curves are good, right? Nobody wants to look at a stick. That's what all the dudes say. But if you're too curvy, then people are going to think that you're overweight. And there's still a stigma with being overweight or even with obesity. And of course, I talk about fitness, but I also talk about how the expectations that we set for people, for females, for males, for everybody I think it's just a bunch of crap, honestly, but we still have to deal with it. Let's not even get into voice. Let's just echo on the fact that even though these expectations that we have to set for ourselves and that other people set on us are a bunch of crap, we have to live with it. So Aaron, what, what does that mean? Because we want to be idealist. We want to be people who are like, I don't have to live for society's approval and I can do what I want to do, but also you have a job to do. Where, where does that struggle come in? What is, what is that balance like for you? Yeah. So overall, you know, I, I'm confident in, in my appearance and, and my body for the most part, you know, everybody has the the things that they, they pick on with themselves. Nobody's, nobody's a hundred percent. Oh, I'm, I'm the hot baloney and and you better know it. (laughs) Everybody, everybody struggles with it, but continue. Yeah. Like you said, if they are, they're trying to sell you something, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I try to take, uh, I try my best to take care of myself and, but I, I'm also very aware of my privilege that I have for being a white, thinner, young woman, uh, because that's, you know, been the traditional beauty ideal in so many ways for, for such a long mm-hmm. time. Right. So luckily, in my personal experience, I have been treated very well um, by viewers from, you know, where I am here now to previous jobs and engagements I've had on television and 
you know, for my colleagues in terms of them, you know, taking me seriously and things like that. I've had a wonderful experience. But you know, when I do go on stories by myself, um, at the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned that I was a multimedia journalist, and that's a fancy word for you're able to do everything by yourself. That means that you write, shoot, edit, pitch, you know, drive to and from. Right. The entire story is done by you. You carry all the equipment the, too. So when the I'm jack of all trades, yeah. <laughs> I completely understand that. And in, in my job, I do graphic design, I do copywriting, I do photography, videography content creation, web development. Uh, so you're juggling a lot of things, but I, I know where you're going with this. What does that mean for you? You know, when I am out on stories by myself and I'm carrying that, you know, 30 plus pounds of equipment as, you know, a 100 pound, very young looking woman, heavy. I do get, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, I do get questions, you know, and, and comments like, are you really doing all of this by yourself? And, you know, I get it. Seeing a tiny person doing all that, it, it oh is a God. lot. I see, I, I see understand. a 70-year-old grandma. Honey, are you really carrying all that by yourself? I, I can see it. I all can the time. see it. Oh my God. Continue. <laughs> all the time. It, it is a lot. And it's probably something that you're not used to seeing. But at the same time, I look at it as, you know, it it shouldn't amaze you. Like, yeah, I am doing this. By, do I look like I'm struggling? You know, I I am doing this all by myself and I'm proud mm -hmm. to. Oh, just so many things we could talk about here. But first of all, in the beginning of your your commentary on that, you you spoke about being a a skinny, white, blonde woman. And that has afforded you a lot of privilege. I don't think it's racially insensitive to say something like that. I think that's we we can acknowledge privilege at a mass scale in our culture now. And I'm really glad that we've become more aware of it first in a racial perspective, but also in a general perspective, you know, you acknowledging your privilege allows you a different perspective. It allows you to see things from the outside, looking in a little bit more like, Hey, I do have my struggles and my disadvantages, but I also understand how the world has been biased in my favor in a couple of ways through things that I have no effect on. So I think that's a, a place of maturity that we all have to come to is acknowledging our privilege. And I'm really speaking to males here in just a male to female type of voice because males don't have to deal with nearly as much crap about body image as females do. Guys, I get it. We still have a lot of stuff we have to deal with. I'm not trivializing your struggles here. I have my own struggles as well. But I think even just listening from, from Aaron's standpoint, and if you've ever actually truly sat down and listened to a woman talk about the things she has to do to satisfy other people, acknowledging the privilege that we carry around is one of the first steps that we have to do to become a more critical thinker. And that's really the goal here with this podcast. I think the insight from the news and the multimedia journalism standpoint from Aaron, but also the fitness perspective in what I'm talking about. Critical thinking is a continuous struggle in the things that we have to deal with. Here's a beautiful piece of information. And if you take nothing else with you from this podcast, please listen the hell up right now. People People are judgmental pieces of crap. We all do it. We are not Jesus Christ. We judge people. Some people are completely obsessed with it. That's why we have celebrities, but it will never, ever, 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 ever change. People will always judge. You are never immune from people's judgment. Dwayne Johnson, my role model, one of the most pinnacle alpha males in Hollywood, is not immune to judgment. Jennifer Aniston, my childhood crush, um, absolutely love her. She's not <laughs> immune to judgment either. My friend Jordan Syatt isn't immune to judgment. Aaron's girl, Danae, isn't immune from judgment. Judgment mm -hmm. is always going to happen. Now, take all that judgment concoction right there and swallow it like a huge horse pill of truth. When you can do that, then choose to do what you want to do regardless of that never-ending judgment. That's where happiness is. And I mean true happiness. Aaron, I don't think you would be able to do your job very well if you were sitting around thinking about, oh my gosh, are my viewers going to judge me? Or is 
a certain type of person going to look at me this way at some point you have to cut the crap and say i'm going to do my job and i think people are going to like me but i can't fear the repercussions of people judging me based on one small little thing absolutely i mean i have to take time every day to just remember that i need to be confident in who i am and and, and just embrace what i naturally give off you know i'm a very peppy perky positive person i've always been happy to, to <laughs> <laughs> i've always been happy to be that way i'm sure that's one of the first things austin noticed you know i was probably very in his face and we actually met you know face to face for the first time um and you're right you you can't spend every day no matter what you do walking in be like oh i wonder what people are going to think of me. Something I wanted to to kind of jump back to as we're tying all this together is, you know, with that judgment or, you know, kind of fitting into molds, you may notice it, it when you're watching the news, for instance, that many women, particularly women who anchor the mm-hmm. news, you know, they don't have, for instance, longer hair past their shoulders. Uh, you know, that's because long hair can be seen as immature or too youthful to some people. And then, subconsciously that makes you less trustworthy in some people's minds, so to speak. So for, for reasons like that, you know, I do have to keep considering my appearance, my professional appearance, so to speak, but I've had to make the decision to, you know, not try getting a little nose piercing or get fun highlights from time to time, because it's not traditional uh, in the news world to, look that way. But I do try to embrace my style, which is, you know, some odd blend between fun pants. I know no one can see, but I'm wearing bright red, red pants red today. Pants are a uh, Loving it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Bold pants, you know, somewhere between eighties and nineties rock and roll style. And then also just really bright colors. So, you know, you got to stay true to yourself in some way and not, you know, if someone doesn't like your pants that day, they should be listening to your news story, not what pants you're wearing. Very true. No, that's, that's amazing. And I think you struck the balance there, especially in the conversation you just had. You cannot continually think about people's judgment, but you have to consider it. You have to account for it, especially if your job and the way you're taken in your job is put on the line because of other people's judgment, then absolutely you have to dial into, okay, I obviously can't get a huge nose ring or, you know, dye my hair blue or pink or whatever. Not there's anything wrong with that, but you're in front of a TV camera all day and you have to try to appeal to the most mass audience possible in a non-intrusive, non-abrasive, non, Hey, I'm in your face and I'm different than you type of way. Completely understand that our worth, Mm -hmm. the way that we should view ourselves, we should determine that, right? even if we have to deal with people's judgment. Living your life based on other people's expectations is a recipe for unhappiness. And Aaron, I think you do a good job with this. You are yourself. And I see, if I could throw you back in a decade, it would be the 80s. It's totally who you are as a person. I think you do a good job of balancing, hey, here's my personality, but hey, I also have a job to do. Everybody has to find that balance with their own lives. Just because we don't look like magazine models or the social media influencers doesn't mean that we're any less than they are. On the other hand, we also need to understand that improving ourselves doesn't have to be serving to other people. It can be serving to ourselves in the fitness industry, in the fitness side of things. You can lose body fat and get more toned because it's what you want to do, because you care about your health. To a degree, vanity is appropriate. And it's just a critical component of how our messages are communicated. Look at Erin's job. Her face value, her curbside appeal, that's what is seen before anything comes out of her mouth. So they say first impressions mean everything. Every time she gets on air, she's making a first impression with a new viewer a new listener. And I think it's, it takes a lot of maturity. It takes a lot of focus to understand the importance of that first impression. So understand your first impressions are important. Also understand that regardless of those first impressions, you're doing the best that you can. That's really my biggest side there. We're in a rift between I have to do what is going to 
give me the best opportunities and authority in my career and in my position. But also, I just need to appreciate where I am right now because that's enough. Austin, I could not relate or agree more with that last sentiment there, you know, needing to appreciate where I am right now because that is enough. When I tell you that this journey in news has been my most challenging feat, which just speaks to how lucky and blessed I've been in life, you know, overall. But I I try to take time every day to say, hey, live a little as much as you can with, you know, how traditional ways of living it up (laughs) right now uh, have been limited, right? You know, gosh, um, I need to go yeah, to a concert. Yeah, they also do wine delivery, too. so that's great. Um, don't know, don't know what lockdowns or, or shutdowns are going to look like for the next few weeks. So just remember, alcohol can be delivered. Um, not endorsing alcoholism. Not not doing that at all. Anyways, <laughs> no, you know, I I'm so driven constantly to climb that ladder and reach my goals, as I know you are. That yes, that's why we're such good friends, Austin. But. I've been trying to teach myself that to, to let go something I said earlier and, and do what makes you happy because how are you going to enjoy it when you do reach those goals that you've been longing to reach, but are too emotionally, mentally, and physically spent by the time you get there to really, yeah, this is a, this is a professional yeah. do the ends justify the means that that's really just yeah. so huge in creative, a big part of my job is not doing my job. I do a lot of emotionally, mentally draining stuff that kind of saps my energy and saps my drive. So sometimes the best part of my job is going to the movies and not looking at my phone for two hours. And that's a big part of my work is being able to unplug. In a different lens, Erin has to do the same thing. She is driven, she's constantly getting after it, she's trying to do better and better get into a better position for herself and become the best damn journalist that she can be. But also stepping aside and realizing, Hey, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow. And that's, I'm not being the type of person. I'm not being a pessimist. I'm being a very, very real person. Anything can happen tomorrow. And the last thing on our minds isn't going to be, man, I wish I had worked harder. Same thing in fitness you got hit by a bus tomorrow, you wouldn't say, man, I wish I wouldn't have had that pizza last night. That really messed me up. That piece of pizza as you're laying there in front of a bus. Just, you don't have to be extreme to that extent with, with every example in your life, but the whole emotional, mental, physical thing, that's always gaining to always gain mentally, physically, and emotionally. So it's just ironic to me that you hit on all three of those things and about unplugging from yourself, but also balancing your drive, balancing what you're doing for your career. So what, what do you do? What do you do to unwind, Aaron? I, I want to hear, because I know your schedule is really wacky. You're kind of, I know you're in bed sometimes, like really, really early. It just blows my mind because college is a completely different land for you. But, but what do you do? Oh, wow. That's right. We haven't even touched on my, my schedule for being a, a news reporter yet. Yeah, I... I go to bed every night, Monday through Friday, uh, at 7.30 p.m. uh, because I wake up at 2.30 to be at work by 3.30 for a literal grandma. Um, A grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, early onset grandmaism. Yes, uh, having that sort of schedule and having to alter your life in that way um, which I will say has been easier as the sun has been setting much earlier so that it's always dark by now. Let me tell you, the summertime, there is so much FOMO when it's like 10 p.m. and it just is barely dark and you can hear everybody having a good time outside. But, you know, ha- having to adjust your life to that, that sort of crazy schedule, you know, sleeping from basically 8 p.m. to 2.30 a.m., you have to make the most of the daylight that you do get to experience and, you know, the little moments. So when I'm out on my run that I like to go on almost every day, uh, if I see something pretty outside, I stop, I'll stop running and I'll look at the butterflies or the ducks at the pond or the grasshoppers that hop across the sidewalks that I'm running on. You literally stop to smell the roses. That's, you're literally stopping to smell the roses. The most literal interpretation I've ever seen and and experienced from that. Wow. (laughs) 
I am grinning so big. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. What a beautiful parallel you've mm, drawn, Austin. Well, grasshoppers. That's, I, I think grasshoppers <laughs> is the most unique thing there. I've never noticed grasshoppers hopping, but there's a lot uh, of grasshoppers in Chattanooga. Yeah, that's that's true. We have iguanas down here <laughs> in South Florida, but well, other than, you know, other than when I'm not running, when I'm relaxing at night, something that I've committed to doing, especially with it getting dark so early is every night now, you know, I'll sit on my balcony and I'll sip a cup of peppermint tea. I'll listen to a playlist and I'll watch the twilight. So not the sunset. I'll watch the twilight after the sun has already set. And it's that like ombre from mm, navy blue yes. to orange. <laughs> and I look forward to that every night. It, just wow. it sounds so stereotypical. And these are self-help things that we read about like, ah, oh, have a cup of tea relax watch the sunset watch but but you're you actually do these things you it's one thing to read a self-help article or to read oh this is what you need to do to de-stress versus Aaron you have to do this this your mental health you going in at 2 30 in the morning to do the morning news it is dependent on you being able to do these things for yourself so that's it's just so meta because if, if you heard anybody else talking about it, you're like, oh, you're so full of crap. You don't do that. But I see your Instagram stories. I see your Snapchat stories. I see you making your, your yogurt <laughs> bowls and having your tea and looking at the sun. Didn't talk about the yogurt bowls, but they look amazing. Uh, let's, we're, we're in the roses right now. We're on the sidewalk. We're running. Let's take it all the way back up to 30,000 feet. I talked about critical thinking. We've talked about to today individually our individual quests for communicating the truth has brought us to where we are today in 2020 going into 2021 we need to double down on understanding that every single message every news article every fitness post instagram post twitter tweet whatever the next social media is there's a source and the further you get away from the source the greater potential there is for that information to be watered down, to be biased, to be filtered to fit someone's agenda or whatever it is they're trying to do for profit. That transparency is something that we should look for in others and enact more in ourselves. And of course, deconditioning ourselves from believing that conforming to body ideals will make us happy, that our self-worth doesn't have to be tied to how other people perceive us but also understanding that we live in a culture of vanity. And to a degree, we have to play the part and we have to pursue creating the best versions of ourselves. What's the common idea here between all these conversations? It's critical thinking. Took a class on it in college, but really more importantly, I've had to do it every single day since I graduated. Aaron, do you have any final comments on critical thinking? What do people need to take away from this? Well, Austin, you, you are incredibly insightful, and that's why I'm so excited and stoked to be a part of this, and I think you've summed everything you. up just beautifully. I guess my bottom line would be, you know, if something in your life, like I said earlier, something you see on social media, something that happens in the world, your personal life, if something makes you feel an extreme emotion, gives you an extreme emotional response, think about why. If something makes you angry, research it. Ask others why. Is there something you can do to change the situation? Do you understand the situation fully? You know, by, by getting many perspectives as we've been talking, whether it's for achieving personal goals, fitness goals, or just reading the news and being as informed as possible, by getting many perspectives on those things, it's at least going to give you the relief that you are more informed about why it makes you feel a certain way, even if you don't find the answer or if it can't be solved, rather than just feeling an overwhelming emotion and not understand why you're feeling so that way. What I'm hearing is just ask why a lot more. Why? You get an answer, don't just stop there. Why why is that the answer? Why why is this the source mm -hmm. to that answer? Why, 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 why? And ask why until it just becomes so clear that it cannot be disputed anymore. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. There's tons of value here. Hopefully everybody listening has gotten something they can take it away from this, no matter which way you want to take it. Misinformation is usually lurking in the depths of extremism. It's what 
Aaron talked about and emotionally challenging information. If something pisses you off or if it makes you super, super happy, you're high, you're low. Those are just as dangerous. People think, oh, I'm confirming something I already know. That's a great thing. Not necessarily. That doesn't mean that all emotionally driven information is wrong or that everyone out in the world is trying to get you. But learn to take perspective and ask yourself some of the questions that we've put before you today. Don't be a part of the misinformation cycle. Be a critical thinker that puts out good information. Erin, where can people find you at? As I mentioned, I am a local multimedia journalist in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So if you're interested in learning more about Chattanooga's news, you know, you can find me at newschannel9.com. Um, I'm on Twitter as at on air with Aaron, and I spell my name with a Y, of course, complicating things can never buy my name on a souvenir magnet. <laughs> so that's E-R-Y-N. So I, I'm on air with Aaron on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube as well, uh, Facebook, Aaron Cooper, WTDC. And yeah, I think that's Love it. That's so all official, social. so on brand. Um, Aaron's just getting into her YouTube uh, pursuits. So I really want to encourage you all to go look at her videos to get a better understanding of who she is as a person, what she kind of works with on a day-to-day basis. I really enjoyed the video she's put out. She's very good at what she does. And I know the YouTube journey is going to be a fun one for her. As always, if you love the podcast, please leave a five-star review on whichever platform you're listening to. You can find me, Austin Goodwin, at Instagram, at Austin Trey Goodwin, because we throw middle names into everything. On Twitter is Austin T. Goodwin. And of course, this podcast, Always Gaining, please share with your friends, anybody who might find it insightful. Thank you for listening to the first episode of the guest series of the Always Gaining podcast.